Welcome to the PA Podcast. I'm Olivia Coftry, one of the two co-founders of Oriel Partners, a boutique PA and administrative recruitment consultancy based in Mayfair. The business was launched in 2018 with the aim to provide the highest quality of service to both our clients and candidates, following three main values, honest, kind and fun. Providing an honest and transparent service to our clients, to be kind and helpful to our candidates and to have fun in the office in a supported working environment. Part of the reason of launching our business was to inspire others and hence this PA podcast has been launched. I will be interviewing a number of successful PAs across a variety of industry sectors to provide current industry knowledge, explain how they got to where they are today and discuss the skills required to be successful in their roles. So, my first guest, Sophie Meek. Hello. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, just a quick synopsis on you. You graduated from Exeter in 2010. I did. And I think I placed you maybe twice, actually, in your career. I, th- I think you have. Which is great. My first role you definitely placed me at. Yes. And then actually my last role in yes, London, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sophie started her career having graduated in interim management and then moved into private equity and most recently has been with a private family office, an investment firm in Knightsbridge, and has now stepped back from that having got married last year, which is very exciting and moved out of London, but is still working for her old boss, setting up a philanthropic venture. So it's lots to cover. Um, So I kind of over to you, Sophie, I wondered if it was worth talking about how you got into the career, uh, the career of a PA. um, And yeah, how you managed to get where you are today, really? Gosh, well, I mean, it sort of feels like a long time ago, but (laughs) I, I actually didn't realised I wanted to be a PA at first. So I studied uh, geography at university, okay. thought I might become a, I don't quite know what, a weather girl yes, or something. Yes, that's common you know, for geography. Very, very glamorous. But um, I joined the uh, the um, team for the polo club and they needed a new club secretary. So I thought, well, I'm sure I can do that. Yes. And that was my first sort of insight into the life of a PA, obviously a very basic version. Um, And then I got in touch with you when I left university and thought, oh, actually, maybe being a PA is something that I could... I could do, mm. and you placed me in my first role. Okay, and then it's gone from there. And that's and then it's all stemmed from there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and is there or are there skills that you think are really required in the role that you do day to day, or skills that you've learned over time, which allow you to now do your job as well as you do? I think it's one of those things that you you know as as you progress with your career, you you gather the skills that are required mm. to be a really top PA. Um, but I think from a very basic standpoint, to be a PA, you've got to be organised. Mm-hmm. I mean, organisation mm-hmm. is the absolute key. key. Um, and I think also prioritisation. I think if you've got those two skills, being a PA is is something that's really right, rather easy to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's many more skills that kind of come through time, but certainly I've always been quite an organised person. So actually becoming a PA seemed... Like a natural. Yeah, it was sort of second yeah. nature almost. Um, when you worked in private equity and investments, so you've been in the financial services world for a while. Yes, yeah. Have you had much exposure to that actual side of the business or have you been more just involved in the organisational side of the person that you're supporting? Um, to start with, no, but you do... I mean, I've never had 
any background in finance as soon as I kind of started in the industry I had no idea what all these long jargon busting words were I just really didn't know but and it's not something that you need to know Uh um I think when you're exposed to it on a day-to-day basis you do get a bit more knowledge and you sort of get a bit more understanding about what certain phrases mean and what certain terms mean but actually as a PA in the industry it's not critical to know the ins and outs of... So you can pick it up. Yeah, exactly. And how do you think your role in private equity different f- differed from um, the private family office investment firm to the first job that you had in interim management? Was there an obvious difference in terms of the culture? I suppose the first job, the culture was very different, interim management. Um, more sales? A little bit more sales, okay. a little bit more um, figure-based in terms of... You know who they had coming in and the amount of money that there was they were turning around in terms of the people that they were working mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'd sort of go as far as saying a bit more dog eat dog. Yes, um, it's typical of a sales environment. People yeah. often say I hear that a lot. We were based in the city, so mm-hmm. that again had a bit of an impact on you know the type of people that we were meeting. Mm-hmm. It was quite full on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then moving into the world of private equity. There is a big, I'd say there's a big difference culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, my first role within the private equity industry, um, the PAs were sort of, um, we were a, a really solid, solid team. That's nice. Um, and I think that was a massive change from what I'd experienced before. I was very much flying solo, didn't have much support from other people. Mm-hmm. So actually the team aspect with the group of PAs was really refreshing mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, really nice to have that. Um, did you support in a one-on-one capacity in your most recent role, um, even though you had the team, were you working one-on-one for someone? So I, I looked after, I actually looked after six people okay. and I was the office manager in my most recent role. Oh my God, so busy. I was a busy bee, <laughs> um, but I absolutely loved it. Um, so the team aspect came in where we did um, events or, um, you know, big office parties. So the support structure was there in place, but yeah. day-to-day you had the people that you were focused exactly. on Exactly, and, you know, when they needed my support, they had my support Okay, only. and would, do you have a daily regime in the PA role that you do, or do you feel that every day is very different and it's hard to kind of pin down? I think the one thing I would say that I've loved about being a PA is no day is the same. You have your, your generic tasks, for example, expenses or arranging travel, but again, no day... No travel trip is the same. You yeah, know, they all vary hugely, and I think that's what's kept it really fun and exciting. Yeah, I don't fresh. think I'd want to do a job where I'm sitting doing the same thing day in day out. Um, so, apart from the generic tasks, I'd say I couldn't really pinpoint a specific routine throughout the day. Okay, and um, I'm sure you face challenges along the way. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you tell us about some of the challenges that you've faced and how you've kind of resolved or overcome? Well, I mean, I think one of the one of the skills of being a PA is you have to be quite resilient. Yes. And that's come in to fruition with these challenges. So um, one example was um, a boss of mine was travelling to China and they always stayed in the same hotel. They were quite specific about where they wanted to stay. So... I, you know, went ahead, booked booked the same hotel as per usual, um, arranged all their travel arrangements, taxis, you know, booked booked all of that. Um, and then I got a message from them in China suddenly saying, oh, I'm in the wrong hotel and this is a disaster and I've been late for my meeting. And, no. of course... Every PA's worst nightmare. Every PA's absolute worst nightmare. Bear in mind the time difference as well. So this was me working at 
goodness knows what time of night, getting all these flurry of emails thinking I'd you know, made a major bog up. <laughs> Luckily, actually, as it turned out, it was it was the right hotel. And unfortunately, uh, she thought she was going to a different meeting and it was just a bit of a confusion but right. luckily it was all resolved okay um but I think being resilient and actually being able to admit to when you have made a mistake is yeah. is really important we're all human at the end of the day yeah so and I think it's silly to say that you never would make a mistake exactly of course you will um and actually I've, I think in my experience my boss have, bosses have always appreciated when I have said oh actually my fault I'm so sorry let me correct that for you it's it's much better to be honest and own up to it. Absolutely. Um, and they will respect you so much more for that. So you've obviously built a great relationship with the lady that you assisted to yes. have then moved away from working in London, but yep. still supporting. So how have you found the transition from the day-to-day London grind to country life? I have to be honest, I was very, very nervous about what would happen. I, I didn't think I was going to be in the position I'm in now so I thought that I would slot into a job straight away in Cheltenham or Gloucester and it would all be hunky-dory um but it, it's it's been it's been a challenge and then my old boss got in contact and said oh you know please please can I have your support I'm I'm setting up um this this exciting new venture and I would love your your help so I suppose my day-to-day life now is hugely different to what it was in London I'm not commuting on the tube anymore I can work from home I'm able to pop up to London every sort of four to six weeks to have a catch-up meeting so it's Mm. lovely to be able to come back into the city but it's also lovely to still be doing what I know I'm really good at but from my own home yeah um and it you know it means that I can if I want to you know pop off and see a friend for a coffee I'm not restricted to you know a timetable so much with with working as I was before but I'm you know I'm still able to to give that support and do what I love to do great and how nice that your old boss came back to you that's a lovely I know it was a a real you know it was a a pleasant surprise yeah Um, absolutely and we we get on so well and I think that's another thing I would say about being a good PA is is building a good relationship with a boss totally um you know they're not just your boss and you're not just their PA that you've got to have a good rapport with them Mm. and you have to be able to to have a bit of a relationship outside of the day-to-day work and, mm. you know, have a chat to them about their kids or have a chat to them about your latest holiday. And it, mm. it, it just builds that that strong relationship, which I think is is absolutely key. Yeah, and I often say to candidates, actually, that is what will make or break the role. Yeah. Not necessarily whether it's creative or corporate or it's more about that fit. So I'm yeah. really pleased that you highlighted that. Do you have top tips to providing a first-class PA support? I mean, Sophie? I think... My top my top tip would be just expect the unexpected. Mm-hmm. No day is the same, so you can't you can't really plan, sort of plan ahead. Yeah. Um, the one thing I think you and this does come with time, and it comes with with building the relationship with with your boss, as I've just mentioned. But being able to preempt what they want, and I know that sounds like you know you're some kind of magician and mm-hmm. a mind reader, but actually it, it does become quite easy after a while. And being able to preempt what they want and provide that before they've even asked for it mm-hmm. is actually quite impressive, mm. and they really appreciate it. So whether it be something as simple as Sounds silly, but making them a cup of tea if they've had a stressful morning. Mm. It goes a long, long way. That emotional intelligence yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, as I mentioned before, don't don't be afraid to, to put your hands up when you have made a mistake because I think that 
it just builds their confidence in you that you're not lying to them, which brings me on to the next point, which is honesty mm. and also discretion. Mm. People don't want their business talked about behind behind their backs or no, at dinner or parties. Or, yeah. Exactly. Um, I've worked for some some very discreet people, um, you know, with big sums of money being involved. And um, I think it's... You, you've got to have, they've got to have that trust in you that you're not going to start blabbing about what they're working on or what they're doing and, you know, it's it's business at the end of the day mm. and they need to, to know that they can trust you. Have you ever been part of a PA network or community um, that supported you with your kind of career or if you have a difficult challenge or did you just rely on the team of assistants that you had when you were working in your previous firm? I think the, the, the team aspect with the other PAs has been great. However... I mean, obviously, having worked with you a few times, I think it's one of those things that if there was ever a major a major disaster or a question or something that actually you'd never come across and thought, am I, you know, am I... Handling this the Yeah, right way? exactly. Yeah. I feel that actually having an approachable consultant is, is really key mm. because I know that if ever I'd had a major disaster, I could have come to you and said, Olivia, help. what have I done and is this the right thing that I'm doing and you know you've obviously got experience with working with hundreds of PAs so you've over time being able to to gather that experience yeah and across so many different industry sectors which is what makes it so interesting for me particularly Um, and I'm also really interested to find out with regards at the start of your career perhaps when you were supporting more people Mm -hmm. or providing a lower level of support to, to now do you feel that whilst you have this amazing one-on-one relationship with the person you support you do have the opportunity to get involved deeper in projects rather than providing more of the traditional support and is that something that you have wanted to focus on as your career has progressed I think so in fact it's my second role the, the private equity firm mm-hmm. um we ended up doing quite a bit of research for the guys okay so on the investment team they'd be you know researching various different companies that they wanted to invest in um and a lot of it would be for them fairly mundane research but actually f- for me it was quite interesting to be able to get involved in the in in more of the business side mm. of things um but again that was something that you could do as much or as, or as little as you wanted. Okay. So there were various girls who wanted to focus purely on the PA side of things. I quite enjoyed the research because it was just an extra string to my bow in terms of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think certainly my first, from where when I first started working to where I am now, I've got involved in so much more than just the PA, the basic PA yeah. aspect. I think that traditional side of the role is is dying off. A I agree. Bit. I agree, and I think especially now with all these amazing travel companies and and firms that you just phone up and say, "Book me a flight to Hong Kong," and you know they've done it before you've even put the phone down. There's there's less of that, as you say, traditional, traditional side, PA. secretarial side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which then makes space for, I don't know, things like event management within the company because mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of companies now put on great big dinners or trips abroad for their clients you know there's all, all this aspect of things so there's there's that side of stuff to get involved in as well great and going back to reasons for leaving roles yes is has there been a common reason um which has made you think about looking elsewhere or has it been very different in each place i think that you've worked? my first so my first job i was there for a year um i the experience I gained there was was brilliant, but I did get to a stage where actually I needed 
I wasn't, there wasn't really room to grow. I was very much the only PA and my job was my job. I didn't love the industry. So I think that's what sparked me to, to take a look and see what else was around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was at my next two jobs for three years and then three and a half years consecutively. So, you know, those jobs were jobs I absolutely loved. Um, and the reasons for leaving were simply just to gain more experience in different different areas and, you know, and, and progression as well. You know, you, you end up working for slightly more senior people and, you know, just adding, adding to your CV that way. Mm-hmm. And going to the interview process, which you've gone through when you've left have. jobs and moved <laughs> on, each time, how many interviews or how many companies firstly did you interview with and subsequently how, how many interviews did you have with each company to secure the role that, that you've got? that you've had so I suppose these you know the 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 one I've had most recently so when I was interviewing there I probably met with two or three different firms mm-hmm. um and so you were specific on what you wanted yes yeah and I think that's because I'd had the experience and I I was able to be a little bit more picky because mm-hmm. I had the the backing of my CV and the experience that I had um and I think with that experience comes an intuition of where you know you're going to enjoy working and where you know you're not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with my f- my most recent job, I actually had three rounds of interviews, which I think is on the the sort of the the slightly heavier side of mm-hmm. of the PA aspect of things. Um, most companies you might get interviewed twice, so I think three is quite a lot. Mm-hmm. But they were quite specific on what they were looking for, um, and you know the interview process is an intense time. It's it's. It's quite scary, but as yeah. long as you go in with confidence, I think confidence is, is absolutely key. Yes. And research, for me, that's such a uh, big yes, one. I think I it agree. stands out so much, the candidates who can answer questions like, why do you want to work here? What do you like about us? Yeah. To ones that go in and not have answers to those questions. And it gives you that extra feeling of security, knowing that you know what what they do as a company. I mean, you can't go into a firm and and just think that you're going to be making cups of tea and answering the phone because you've got to understand what they do as Mm, a business. mm, Even if you don't understand the ins and outs of, for example, the finance industry, that doesn't matter. But as long as you show some kind of spark... Yes, and you can say who their competitors competitors are, perhaps, or that you've read about them, what's been in the media. I also always advise clients it's a two-way thing. You know, They have to sell themselves to you just as much as you've got to sell yourself to them. And I think sometimes people forget that on both sides. So I think that's that's very important. So you had your three interviews for your most recent role. At that stage, were you sure it was what was right for you and you were confident if an offer came, it was something you'd want to accept? Absolutely. And I think um, having been to one interview you you do get the impression of of whether you're going to enjoy working with them. So if you get invited back for another interview, you don't have to say yes. If you if you don't think it's going to be the place for Absolutely. you, I think there's there's no point in a wasting your time and b wasting their time. More mm. importantly, mm. Um, you've you got do, to be right. You do get a feel. Yeah, and um, I, I always think going to the first interview, even if you're not a hundred percent sure if it's right from looking at it on paper, and job specs can always look. I think quite dry they will list the the generic duties it's hard to bring it to life but going to a first interview I think you do get that insight and that gut feel and actually I think that's never a wasted uh, meeting even if you feel it's not right at least then it helps you narrow down what is exactly and also I think when you do interview for the right role when they ask you where else you're interviewing it's good to say 
that you've interviewed elsewhere just to show that you've done you know you're out on the market you're going to interviews uh the answer no i'm not interviewing ever, no anywhere else doesn't necessarily yes, sound don't as put strong. all your eggs in one basket Absolutely. as they say <laughs> so i always think it's good to to go out and see and it, r- interviewing is such a skill i think people forget that and it's some people are really good at it and some people really struggle with it yep um so actually the sometimes the more practice the better as, I as agree. well and I think interestingly enough so in my last role I was on the other side of the table so to speak so when we had PAs coming in I, I actually got to interview them oh, great. Um, which was really interesting and something I've never done before however it, it gave me an insight into what's almost required from a PA and I think um, <laughs> number one out of all of the things is just dress appropriately <laughs> we had we had some interesting interesting looks really um (laughs) it was summertime a lot of short skirts uh, yes just just dress appropriately um I know every day I go into the office I always make sure I'm dressed appropriately (laughs) because I think the last thing I can do is advise someone on what to wear when I'm not looking like that so I'm conscious of it but I I think that just goes to the first uh, first impression yeah that's the you know eye contact the smile on your face the firm handshake yeah um and the appropriate outfit and you only have one opportunity to make that first impression so I think that's a really valuable one (laughs) yeah and then going back to the job search um have you always got your roles through going via agencies yes yeah I think actually as a as a PA it's 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 really the easiest option um you know there's all sorts of great big websites where you can put your CV on and hope for the best but actually building that relationship with a consultant means that you can trust them that they're going to place you in a company where you feel comfortable Mm -hmm. and also where the company is going to value you as a person Mm -hmm. you know it's not just you're not just a generic number going into an office it's you are a human being at the end of the day and you spend most of your waking life at your job, so you've got to be happy. Absolutely. Um, and I think actually going through going through a consultancy means that you you've got that support as well. Okay. And there's so many recruitment consultancies out there. I'm always yes. conscious. Um, how have you found registering with agencies? Have there been good experiences, bad experiences? The majority of them are the same. So when you first register, you you go along, have a meeting with uh, your potential consultant. Mm-hmm. You might do a typing test. I don't know whether that's still something that is required these days because, again, it's back to the sort of slightly archaic PA style of, you know, taking minutes and, and doing things like that. But I think actually that's quite important because then the consultant can, can figure out your level of competency. Yeah. I mean, everyone has to start somewhere. That's, Absolutely. You know, that is a key point. Um, but the, 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 the way it works is pretty similar throughout mm-hmm. most agencies and so you just would have a general chat and um, meet yeah. your consultant I think the one good thing well especially with dealing with you is that once you've met your consultant that's who's looks after you going forwards you're not banded around to different people mm-hmm. I have had experiences where you know I've gone in met with someone and then I get a phone call from someone totally different um, and it, it does get a bit confusing because you then have to sort of stop and s- start again and explain your whole career history and I think having the con- continuity is 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 great. Yeah, that's good to know. Okay, so finally, just to, to finish up, um, going forward with regards to your career, yes. do you have a end goal? What are your plans? I think if you'd asked me that a year ago, it probably would be quite different to to now. I'm working from home, setting up a charity um, called GAIN, which is Girls Are Investors. Oh, wow. Um, and we are 
trying to inspire young women to consider jobs in the investment industry okay because they are unfortunately hugely underrepresented at the moment um but this is not something i'd ever thought i would end up doing so my role is not only am i supporting my boss i'm also doing a little bit more project management um a bit more the sort of coordination of, of setting up a business i suppose mm. which um so interesting really interesting but definitely the skills i've acquired over the last gosh nine years um are coming into absolute fruition now it's you know i can do it so easily and i don't have the team behind me so it's something that i i have to trust in myself that i can do um and i think with the experience it's you know, it's, it's really helped me. So I think going forwards, it's something that I can, because I'm working from home, yeah, I can flexibility take now. it with me wherever I go um, and build upon that. And then, you know, who knows, in the future, set up my own business or my own charity or, or whatever it might be. Wow. But it sounds like you've had a fabulous career to date. You've enjoyed it, clearly. I've loved it. Absolutely loved it. Good. Well, Sophie, thank you so much for coming to talk to me today. I'm really thrilled to have had you. Thank you for having um, me. Absolutely. And uh, good luck with the rest of the charity. I think thank I'll be you. watching that closely. Yeah, I will keep you in the loop. <laughs> Fab. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Oriel Partners PA podcast. I hope you found this informative and inspiring. If you are looking for a new PA role or know anyone else who might be, please do point them in our direction and we would love to assist. The web address is orielpartners.co.uk and our office number is 0207 101 Job hunting can be a very daunting experience and we are fully aware of that and ready to support and guide you through the process. We never push our candidates and we will never waste your time. Our open and honest conversations discussing your future career allow us to fully understand your ambitions and objectives and enable us to advise you in the best way possible. Whether you are a college leaver looking for your first London role or a high-flying EA at the pinnacle of your career, our team are fully qualified to assist you. We are also here to help with any CV queries, negotiating a pay rise or general career advice. I will be back next week for the next episode of the PA Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.